Apologies for the late episode, but welcome back to the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. Alongside me is my co-host and good friend, Nicholas Bear. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing very well today, Micah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Today, we are joined alongside popular sports TikToker, Jack the Yankees fan, Murphy. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I just want to say, really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Francisco Lindor has just been traded to the Mets. You Darvish is headed back to the NOS. Part two of our division by division wish list series continues. But first, let's learn a little bit more about Jack. So Jack, take it away. Our first question for you is going to be like, how did you get into TikTok? Well, honestly, uh, it was more during like quarantine, obviously. Um, I couldn't really do much. We were all stuck in the house. So I was like, you know what? I'll start getting TikTok. And I kept like seeing a bunch of sports TikToks. And at first it was just like, as it was honestly just as a joke. And I kind of just made it some stupid content. Wasn't expecting anyone to really see it. But then I remember one of my, like, I reacted to a, like a ranking video, like a top five ranking video. And it was just awful. And I just like called it out on how bad it was. And it blew up, got like 20,000 likes. And I was like, you know what? And, I, and that started where my um, kind of like a, uh, like a platform grew for me almost. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just like start like actually talking baseball. And because of that, ever since that happened, it was just like, wow, people actually are enjoying my content. So I just kept going with it. And that's pretty much where I am today. Yeah. So you, I mean, you, it sounds like this was fairly unintentional to have a big yeah. platform, but I, I, what, what has it been like having a platform? Like, do, do you, do you feel different do you feel like maybe this is you just opened an opportunity for yourself somewhere down the line once this is all over um I was always wanted to be like in like the sports communications field I'm going to school for uh, journalism and I always wanted to be a sports writer and I think something like this will help they'll see like how I can like engage with an audience and whatnot um but no I didn't really see this like like personally like right now it doesn't really change me at all as like a person um I feel like I still feel like I'm kind of like just your average Joe I kind of I work a job, I go to school, I do my work, and then I just make TikToks on the side. Um, it's cool to see how, like, I, I've always been a sports guy, obviously, and, I mean, I talk to it with my friends, but it's kind of cool to see, like, I can put this stuff out there, and people, maybe they're not always agreeing with it, but they're always understanding and acknowledging what I have to say and putting it up with their own opinions. I mean, I think you're being a little modest here. I don't think the average Joe's getting <laughs> 2,000 to 10,000 views, having 11.4 thousand followers. Yeah, true. I don't know about that. I don't think you're that average of a Joe. But, <laughs> like, how long did it take for you to realize, hey, like, I have an audience. I can grow a community here. Like, this, like, this is something that is really interesting um, to me that I can keep going. I think – Probably around the like 1,000 follower mark, because especially because like at that time with especially because I was like strictly baseball at first, which obviously is a much smaller like market. But I was like, you know what? These are a lot of baseball fans. I'm starting to get my name known. Um, and I remember, I, I mean, there wasn't many baseball guys. The one baseball TikToker I like was I saw a bunch of videos of was Dan Schmolt. That was the yeah, one guy that was definitely. making content, and I was like, damn. This guy makes great content. And then I was like the one guy who was kind of like, I'd sometimes like watch his videos and just like, honestly for like, not necessarily inspiration, but like kind of like see what news is going on and whatnot. And then I was just like, you know what? I'll try to like start make my takes, but then I didn't want to just do like skits. I kind of want to like put my personal like opinions out, my own rankings and all this type of stuff. And um, yeah, just like, it's kind of like a good way for me to like 
afraid of me to realize that like I kind of know what I'm talking about. I always like thought I did, but like now I have the reassurance of other people, and it honestly just feels amazing. And being able to like for like people like saying like whenever I like make a rankings list and people would just being like this is awesome list this is perfect this is great even and ex- and something that means just as much to me is when people go um, they'll say something like I don't really agree with this but I see where you're coming from when I make an explanation because that kind of shows that I know what I'm talking about and it shows I know how to explain myself and not just like talk out of my uh, out of my ass. If I can kind of just ask a follow up question. You grow an audience, you grow, I mean, it's a fan base. You have over 10,000 followers. Let's call it a fan Mm -hmm. base. Have you like, have you experienced, you know, making friends from TikTok, being a more happy person? Oh, absolutely. Especially during like quarantine, during this whole pandemic. Um, It's been rough. I mean, obviously I can't go out and see my friends. I can't go out. I mean, I just turned 21. I can't go out to hang out at a bar or a restaurant. Um, But um, TikTok is just the way for men. A lot of, also a lot of my friends, like they like sports and they don't like baseball. I don't have many baseball fans that are baseball fans that are my friends. So when I, on TikTok, that is the community I like to engage with, talk to baseball about. And I know, and like, it really has opened up a lot of different connections and different relationships and people like, uh, uh, Mets RSL, super fan sports, other TikTokers. These guys are guys that I, any other, obviously I would never meet these guys in any other way. And honestly, it's just like just fun to talk to them. I talk to sports about them all the time. It's been great. Yeah. So just to finish up with questions here, so I know you also mentioned that you said you kind of felt like you had something once you surpassed the one thousand follower mark. How do you plan to move forward with your TikTok? Let's call it a career right now, a TikTok career <laughs> after quarantine, because things are going to be changing this year. That's things, true. things are going to open up. We're going to go back yeah. to a little bit more of a normal life. So how do you plan to continue that while having an actual life again outside of home? Well, obviously, I mean, already I'm not posting as much as I did during quarantine or whatnot, but um, obviously I'm going to have a job. But realistically, yes, it's going to change, but sports aren't changing. There's always going to be breaking news in sports. And worst comes to worst, there's always going to be content to be made about that. So as long as I just keep my like keep a head in the sports world, I keep my creative mind, keep forming my opinions, takes uh, about this stuff, and just sharing it with the world and explaining myself. I feel like as long as I don't sound like an idiot, people will be like, yeah, well, continue being like, you know what, this guy knows what he's talking about, um, and all that, you know. For sure. Right. I mean- at least it's at least it's kept you entertained in quarantine. It's exactly, kept other people yeah. entertained, and that that's the main point of TikTok is just to have fun, enjoy it, exactly, say what exactly. you want, and then people enjoy it. And even now, like I mean, I like I'm over ten thousand followers. I don't I don't even do the TikTok creator fun thing. I do have like a, a I get a sponsorship with uh, Viget. I don't I, I don't know if I should be doing that on your TikTok, but I do have like a sponsorship and whatnot because of it. But it really just feels like. Um, it just feels, it's just something I do for fun still. And I don't see it as anything. I don't see it as a job. I don't see it as a possible career path at the moment. I just see it as something I do because I like the people I engage with and it's because I enjoy doing it. Those the two things I see it as not as a job, not as career, but something I just enjoy. And I feel like that's the way I got to go with it. So we got to know Jack. So let's talk about some of the baseball moves that have happened. Uh, we normally post on Mondays, but there was some schedule conflict. So we had to push it back to Thursday and there were some big moves that happened. The first of which was you, Darvish, uh, and Victor Carantini were traded to the Padres. And the Cubs received Zach Davies and a bunch of other prospects. I'm not even going to attempt at their names because I hate when people butcher mine. So I'm not going to butcher theirs. 
Darvish finished second in the Cy Young voting in the National League, only to Trevor Bauer, receive some MVP votes. Posted a 2.01 ERA, and he's a very, very good starter. They have him under control for three more years, $59 million, so under $20 million AAV. Nick, what does this mean for the Padres going forward? Their, their rotation just got better. Oh, it just got much better. I totally agree with you there. As we mentioned in the last episode, they did also acquire Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays. So now the Padres have added you, Darvish, and Blake Snell to a rotation that will get back Mike Clevenger in 2022. And then on top of that, they still have uh, Lamette. They have Chris Paddock. I mean, this rotation is stacked right now. And you can put this rotation up against the Dodgers championship rotation. And I can tell you right now that they are both fairly equal right now. I think the biggest problem with the Padres going forward is going to be bullpen. Uh, We know they have two free agents, two marquee free agents. Um, from the pen on on the free agent block right now, that being Trevor Rosenthal and Kirby Yates, no chance they're going to resign both. They're both going to get paid. The Dodgers have showed interest in Yates, and at the end of the day, the Dodgers are going to have more money than this Padres team. They are loaded up. The, Darvish has a pretty big contract. Snell's getting paid uh, an okay amount of money. Hosmer has a huge contract. Will Myers has a huge contract. I'm sitting here thinking this is a great deal for both teams, but in the long run, Jack, does this hurt the Padres? Um, honestly, I don't really think it's going to hurt that much. I mean, the Padres, again, they have all these young arms in the uh, rotation. They still have young talent. And that's the thing when you have young, like, look at a team like the Rays. Um, they're always, they're always good because they know how to build young talent and they know how to groom it. And now the Padres are kind of adapting that, but the only difference is the Padres can afford to pay superstars. The Rays cannot do that. And when you got a are probably the best rotation in baseball. I think the seven-game series, it is very, very, very likely that the Padres can pull that off, um, especially when you got Darvish, Blake Snell. They can go toe-for-toe. Toe. Yes, the bullpen has a little bit of issues, but then you have some bats. If they get hot, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, when these guys get hot, they, they're some of the best hitters in baseball. I think something that also needs to be talked about that I saw no one talk about is they kept Mackenzie Gore. Their number one prospect, their number one pitching prospect at that, who is a starter, is still a San Diego Padre and most likely make an appearance in 2021. There's a reason why he's a top five prospect. It is because he has has ace potential. I mean, guys, you have Lamette, Paddock, Darvish, Snell. I mean, by 2022, all those guys could possibly be a – ace for any other team it's a stacked team and their farm system is still good I think some Rays fans were disappointed that Blake Snell got dealt I would be too he's my best player if Judge got dealt if Lemayhew got dealt I mean you know you're gonna be upset right but they didn't get a lot in return we know Wander Franco is gonna come up for that team but at the end of the day, the Padres have Snell for, what, three, four more years at about $10, $11 million AAV. It's a steal, Nick. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a steal for them. And keeping their number one prospect, this, this, just, this is just who A.J. Preller is. We remember, I think it was the 2014 or 2015 offseason, A.J. Preller went out and made a bunch of moves, which I also remind myself because of that offseason, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and say – oh, the Padres are suddenly going to be the best team in the league, or, oh, they're going to win the World Series, or, oh, they can for sure knock off the Dodgers. But on paper, we can for sure all agree that they have the talent now 
to go up against the Dodgers toe-to-toe in a seven-game series. But A.J. Preller has always done a good job of getting pieces for the team to win now without having to give up the very best prospects on the team. I think something that also needs to be talked about is they got a very good catcher, a very good young catcher at that end, Victor Carantini. And Austin Noah, their catcher right now, he's nothing. He's not that bad. Catchers are a position that normally lack offense and are good for their glove. Austin Nola is pretty good at both, and their backup, Austin Hedges, is arguably the best defensive catcher in baseball. They add Carantini. They have Nola. They have Carantini. That's a very good duo behind the plate. You know, Jack. This is where one of those guys' bats are going to get hot. Either Nola. One of their bats is is One of their bats is bound to do something. And it's not like they're Gary Sanchez behind the plate either. They can they can hold their own. They're not gonna they're not gonna uh, blow the game because they can't catch a ball. And I think that helps them down the line with injuries. We see it more and more. Players go to the weight room instead of mm-hmm. stretch out or do yoga for that matter. And I think especially catcher, it's the most strenuous position. You know, you're squatting down. Yeah. You've got 10, 15 pounds of gear on. You have to shuffle, move side to side, whatever. When Carantini and Noah, I mean, it's going to be three, four, four, three days. It's going to be, you know, flip-flop every other day for that team. It's going to benefit them in the long run. If one goes down, the other is going to step up and you know they're going to hit. And they're going to call a good game behind the dish. And their third stringer, Austin Hedges, oh yeah, he should have won a gold glove last year. He's without a doubt one, one of, if not the best defensive catcher in the league right next to Roberto Perez. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Austin Hedges, I mean, don't get me wrong. Austin Hedges is bad. is nothing really special at all. But his glove is is probably the best. Definitely the best in the National League. And I, I would say the best in MLB. It is arguable. There are a few guys, like, again, you said Salvador Perez. But I think his glove is the best right now. There's no comparison. This Padres team is so unbelievably good that as a fan, you have to be scared. And the NL was – you know, maybe two years ago, is a team that was like, okay, the Dodgers are always going to be the best team in that league. And it's better than the American League now. Because, you know, I think the Yankees and the White Sox are the best team in the American League. And who's the team after that? The Astros, the Rays? Those are C-tier, B-tier, if we're going to be generous type teams. I think the Yankees and Rays are both going to see a big drop-off. And I wouldn't be surprised... Sorry to kind of go, go ahead. I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Blue Jays fighting for the division come August. I think they're oh, going to be right in with it. <laughs> I told this to Nick. I, I was spoken on this before. The Blue Jays are a good team, and we saw them make, yeah. a, make a pretty good run in 2020 when people thought they were one, two years away from contention. Mm-hmm. It's a scary team. Vladdy Daddy's down 20, 30 pounds. He's going to be hitting nukes. Their bullpen is going to be their only problem. They may yeah. need a, one or two more veteran arms in, in, in the rotation. But that lineup's so good that in the long run, it's going to carry them. I don't think oh, they're absolutely. going to be World Series contenders. And it's such a, it's such a young team, too. Exactly. Like, For, oh, sure. I know, For sure. Even last year, everyone was like, talking about how the White Sox and uh, the Reds, they were the two teams to watch. I was like, look at the Blue Jays. That they're, they have a pretty, they're the real sleeper team because no one's actually talking about them. People are talking about the White Sox and Reds and how they're sleepers. No one was talking about the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add in that, you know, before Francisco Lindor was traded, and of course we'll get to him in a bit, I did hear some rumors late last year that they were looking to trade for him. I mean, I know they didn't trade for him, but that tells me the Blue Jays are in it to win it. They're buying. They're not holding back anymore. They they see a window of opportunity right now 
to win this division, especially because the Red Sox are headed into a rebuild because they have a bunch of older players, which we'll get to the Red Sox a little bit later. And also, they see the who knows what's going to happen with the Yankees right now with DJ LeMayu. We don't know right now. I mean, I'm not saying the Yankees are a terrible team without DJ LeMayu. They're still really good. But they see a window of opportunity to win this division. And with a young team, if you can get into the playoffs in a, in a longer season than a 60-game season, that's going to help this team a lot long-term. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so good. It's a good team, and people sleep on them. They're one of those teams, they're in on everyone. They were in on Springer. They're in on LeMahieu. They got Ryu. People don't remember that. Ryu's so good. He, he was so a Cy good. Young. He, he should have won Cy Young last year. He was in the race this year. He's so good. When he's healthy, he's a top pitcher in baseball. He's a oh, bona fide ace, and they have him for four more years. And it's, it's a good deal for both teams. This team has cap space. They have youth. They have veteran presence. They have everything. I mean, Charlie Montoya's a good manager, too. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't see them as World Series contenders, but I wouldn't be surprised if they played. Uh, they ruined somebody's chances the playoffs and the ALDS and make a surprise ALCS run. And just to touch up on the Padres, and Nick, you'll talk about this more than I can, really. The Padres got swept by the Dodgers. It was 3-0, and everyone looked at it as, oh, let's count the Padres out. They're not, they're not going to live up to the hype. And I was telling people they didn't have Lamette. You know, uh, Clevenger went down. They had Paddock, who was their ace, that did not have a good 2020. I think he'll bounce back, but he did not have a good 2020. People, people rid off this Padres team. I think they're going to be good this year. As a Dodgers fan, do you think they can contend with the L.A. team? 100% and not because of their offense, but because of the defense. They, um, excuse me, because of the pitching, because they added you Darvish. Don't forget you Darvish was in the NLS with the Dodgers when they went to the world series in 2017. He's very familiar with all these players in that division, not just the Dodger players, but with the Rockies and Diamondbacks and the Giants too. Of course, those teams have had turnover, but he's very familiar with some of the players on the team. He's very familiar with pitching in those parks as well. And Blake Snell, I mean, the guy when he pitched in the World Series last year, he was really good. And then remember, uh, Kevin Cash, he took he took Blake Snell out when Blake Snell was doing fantastic. He was going head-to-head with the Dodgers pitcher. And Blake Snell and you Darvish, the only thing I worry with you Darvish is his health because we do know he's had health issues in the past. He is in his 30s. But other than that, I do believe the Padres can contend with the Dodgers now. And I think something that also needs to be touched on is the Rays essentially pick their manager over their best player. The Rays are a team that, as a fan of the AL East, a team we see the Rays 22 times a year. We play them 22 times a year, the Yankees do. This team is so analytically based. It started with Joe Madden. He invented the shift almost. He was a big part of that. He left to Chicago, won a ring, good for him. And Kevin Cash took over. And and he was, you know, we're gonna start. We're gonna start using the opener. We're gonna shift yeah. on ninety five percent of batters. See, like I, you know, I know a lot of people criticize Alex Rodriguez for his like commentary or whatnot. But he said one thing about like about how managers overmanage games and not that it's ruining the sport of baseball, but he feels like it's changing it for the worse. And while I don't a hundred percent agree with what he said, there was one thing he was like, managers these days are looking for reasons to take their pitchers out when they should be looking for reasons to keep their pitchers in. And that's, I think that's perfect. Cause like, again, look at uh, the world series. Um, obviously when Kevin Cash took Blake Snell, he received a tremendous amount of criticism for it. 
but and he, the thing is, oh, he can't go a third time around the uh, around the lineup. That's the reason he wants to take him out. But he wasn't looking at the reason taking him because Blake Snell. If you look at him, he's dealing. He looks unhittable. Keep him in the game. He's your ace. He's your guy. You don't mess with a guy when he's in a groove like that. And that's exactly what he did. And even though analytics got him to where they were that year, I, I think that was just a bonehead move that literally no one would have made. If I was out there, I would have won that game because I would have just let Blake Snell pitch the whole time. I mean, as a Dodger fan, I know what that's like because I remember going back to the World Series, I believe it was 2017. Rich Hill was pitching. I think it was like game two or three. Rich Hill was through 4.2 innings. The Dodgers were winning the game, and Dave Roberts comes and takes him out. Even this year in the World Series, Dave Roberts came out in game five and took Clayton Kershaw out, and Clayton Kershaw was possibly pitching the biggest game of his career, and he was actually finally living up to expectations in the playoffs, might I add. But Dave Roberts has done this, this time and time again with Kevin Cash did, and this time it came back to bite Kevin Cash in the ass. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this more and more. It's just going to become a more normal thing. Fans are going to have to get used to it whether or not we like it. Because even though it didn't work, and it seems like since it had fit on the most grandest stage of them, stage of them all in the World Series, people are like, yeah, that's why you don't do it. Well, where would the Rays be without it? They wouldn't be – they wouldn't have beat the Yankees in the ALDS. They probably wouldn't have won the ALCS. It might not even have made the playoffs because that's where – that's what the Rays do. That's what got them to the World Series. That's why the Rays – no, like with the worst payroll in baseball, have one of the best team or is consistently a wild card playoff team. It's because they adapted this and it works for them, and they have to keep doing it. Especially when you can't afford to pay a guy like Bryce Harper three hundred million, Mike Trout four hundred million. When you can't do things like that, you have to find other ways to win. I think when everyone counts the Rays out, they use that as motivation and say, mm-hmm. "All right, let's go. We're fine with that." I think we saw that with Mike Rosso. He oh, rocked Chapman. That eighth inning home run that pretty much sent them to the ALCS, I threw a baseball and made a hole in my window. Like I knew that was happening too. I, I right when he stepped up to play, I'm like, you know what? This is over. This game's done. I remember somebody tweeting out. I think it was Raymond's girlfriend on TikTok. Her name is Amy, I think. Mm-hmm. She put something out that said, no way Brasso doesn't hit a homer off Chapman. And he went yard. And I remember the pitch beforehand. It was two pitches beforehand, maybe. It was a splitter. Chapman had just started throwing the splitter. And it was half in the zone, half out of the zone. Nick, we had a long talk about this. It was a lot of fun. Could have been a strike as a Yankee fan, yes. As a Rays fan, no. But once that, once that borderline pitch was called a ball, I was like, all right, here we go. But I think the moral of the story is sometimes it's okay to go with your gut over the analytics. Would everyone else agree? Yeah. One hundred percent. I agree. I'm, as a Dodger fan, I we could have we could have as a Dodger fan. I'll just say we could easily have two or three championships if Dave Roberts had just went with his gut instead of analytics. So moving from the NL West to the NL East this morning, probably nine a.m. Pacific time, twelve p.m. Eastern time. Frankie Lindor goes to the Mets. And Carlos Carrasco. This is a bombshell. Passing bomb. This was huge. I was sitting in math class and I started running around. Like, I had no clue what was going on. My teacher was going to send an ambulance to check on me. It was a big deal. I think this makes the Mets a very good team. But they are still a second-place team in my eyes. Jack, what do you think? I think they're a second-place team, too, in the NL East, but I think they're right up there with the Braves. I just think – I think the Braves have a little, like a slight bit amount, a bit more depth, 
because um, I feel like they did a good job of getting more bullpen arms for them, while the Mets, they have kind of like, they have some good arms, but again, they could be streaky with guys like Edwin Diaz, Dylan Batanzas. You never know what they're, you know they're going to get. They have some great stuff, but they can be wild. Um, but yeah, when you got, add a guy like Carlos Carrasco to that rotation, I mean, again, I think in the playoffs, the best rotation is what prevails. And when you have a rotation with guys like Noah Syndergaard, I don't know why I didn't say Jacob deGrom first and I said Noah Syndergaard, but Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman, and now Carlos Carrasco, that's four starters that are really, really good. And if these guys are on at playoff time, I don't know who's going to beat the Mets personally. Because if you if you have four starters that are only going to give up one, two, three, one, two or three runs, that's going to be a tough team to be in a seven-game series. But the thing is, do they stay healthy? That's been the big question with a lot of teams, and that was a lot of that was the reason why the Braves didn't move on. Is Soroka wasn't healthy? If Soroka's healthy, they're gonna win one of those games, right? Maybe two yeah. of those games. They're going to the World Series, right? So, the big question is, are they are they gonna stay healthy? And as a fan of a team that gets injured every day. You know, you have to question it, especially pitchers. Syndergaard shows up to City Field in an ambulance. That oh, yeah. kid cannot stay on the field. He's so incredibly talented, but he can't stay on the field. DeGrom yeah, is yeah. great, the best pitcher in baseball. If you think otherwise, well, you know. You're not – you're wrong. Yeah, there's no other – there's no better pitcher in baseball. Stroman's good. He's overpaid for a three, though. And Carrasco's very good. I like him. He's got a wipeout slider. But we have to remember, he's just coming back from leukemia from, from a year ago. Yeah. We don't know if 2020 Carlos Carrasco is going to be what we see in 2021. I, I would like to think that it is. I think that it will be. But with pitchers, you never know. It's such a wild card. Nick? Yeah. You know, the Mets aren't done. Trevor Bauer spoke about this right after the Mets got him. He talked about how great of a teammate Francisco Lindor is. And he wore a Mets hat in this interview too, might I add. I think he is hinting that he really wants to go to the New York Mets. And don't forget, the New York Mets have already added James McCann as their catcher. So if you had James McCann as your catcher, you trade for Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, and if you can still go out and get a Trevor Bauer – I think the Mets may have possibly had a better overall offseason than the Padres. I would, you know, it's on the fence there. You could look at it both ways. But that was something that I saw too. They went out and traded for Indians players. Indians players that have a good relationship with Trevor Bauer. Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer talked about, was like a mentor to him. You know, Carrasco's a little bit older. When Trevor Bauer first came into the league, obviously he was with Arizona. He blossomed in Cleveland. But he credits a lot of his success to Carlos Carrasco. And, you know, it's it's something that you look at and you say, could this be a plan for the long run? Because we want Bauer on this team. Yeah, I think Bauer is... Definitely. I don't think he's definitely going to the Mets, but I think they're all the Mets are all in on Bauer. But I don't think they're going to get anyone else. I don't think they're going to get Springer. I don't think they're going to get JT Armuto because now I think priority number after signing Bauer, priority number one. Priority number two, re-extend Francisco Lindor. Do not let him hit free agency. You want to extend him? He's your guy. 26, 27 years old. Top three shortstop in baseball. And he... He's a top three shortstop in baseball, and he's probably just hitting the prime of his career right now. Switch hit it, switch hitter. He has power. He has literally every aspect of the game. He can field. He can hit. He can run. Like he's the perfect shortstop. Yeah, that was something that I was thinking about when teams and 
people that I know were saying, oh, we could get Lindor, you know, this is great. Like, you don't know if he's going to be back. And yeah. I think Cohen is there and he's going to spend the money and he wants him back. And in the long run, I don't think they're going to get him back. And I think that just because Lindor has said that he didn't want to play for the Mets, maybe if they sign Bauer, it's another story. Lindor could not be re-signed and it may look like a dumb move. It may look like a great move, but it could also look like an Edwin Diaz move, right? So there, there's that. You always have to look at that. But the Indians really didn't get a lot back in return. They got uh, shortstop Andres Jimenez, shortstop Ahmed Rosario, right-handed pitcher John Wolf, and outfielder Isaiah Green. Rosario was a future star. That's what he was advertised as. He was advertised as the next big thing. He has not lived up to the hype. Mm-hmm. He's an okay defender. He runs very well. He's not great at the plate. Everyone else is something that I like to call a prospect. And I preach this on the show. A prospect is a prospect until proven otherwise. We don't know what they're going to be. And baseball, that is, you know, it happens the most. The number one overall pick can turn out to be absolutely nothing. So until we see the Indians use these players that they've gotten and make them into studs, the Mets win this trade and it's not even close. Oh, absolutely. I just I, I just want to push back real quick on you hesitating on whether or not the Mets will extend Lindor, because to me the New York Mets do not make this move unless they are for sure they can extend Francisco Lindor. You do not go out and get a player like that on the last year of his deal unless you plan to extend him. You just, you don't do that. And this is the Mets. This is one of the bigger market teams along with the Yankees, the other New York team, the Dodgers, the Red Sox. Of course, the Red Sox are rebuilding though. But I promise you. The New York Mets will look to extend Francisco Lindor. Sandy Alderson, the GM of the New York Mets, said as much. They love his potential now, and they love the fact that they can extend him to a long-term contract in the future. And this is a trade to set up Trevor Bauer to the Mets. Every sign to me right now is pointing Trevor Bauer to the Mets. I don't see how he doesn't go to the Mets unless they don't pay him. I mean – yeah, there. I, I had Bauer going to the Mets beforehand when we talked about our free agent predictions. So if that's right, you know, let's go to Vegas. But Bauer, Bauer's a tease. I mean, the guy wears a different hat every video. Is he going to the Angels? Is he going to the Mets? You know, is he going to the Yankees? Is he going to the Giants, right? He's a tease, and I love it. I love the guy. I think he's a character, and it's awesome. But I think Bauer goes to the Mets, and I think they're the better team in the NL East. And I think they lose in the first round, though, because they, they'll find a way to mess it up. That's a hot take. Yeah, they'll find a way to mess it up. I know it's new ownership, and the, the curse of the Wilpons is gone, but it's still the Mets. They still don the same jerseys. They still wear orange pinstripes. You're not the Yankees. Your pinstripes are orange. They're not Navy. Jack? Um, what I was thinking, I just honestly, I'm not sold on Trevor Bauer. I know everyone, I know, yes, he's a Cy Young. First of all, I think Jacob DeGrom should win the Cy Young for his third in, third in a row. But, I, I mean, t- uh, looking at his stats, yeah, he had a great 2020, but 2020 was 12 games. Um, well, especially for pitchers, it was 12 games. 12, 11 games, um, depending on what the pitcher is. Um, but before that, like, he was nothing special. And there's a lot of pitchers that put up really good numbers in the one short season. Um, I don't get me wrong. It could be completely wrong, but I think he's going to get a hell of an overpay. And while I do think he's going to be good and he's going to show a lot of, like, he's going to have a lot of good starts. I think there's going to be a lot of bad that comes with him too. Um, like, don't get me wrong. Yes. When he's doing good, when he's winning, 
he's probably one of the best people to have in the clubhouse. But what about like when they're losing, when they're doing bad, if there's ever a problem, he could be like, we all remember when Trevor Bauer threw the ball all way over the center fielder wall. I mean, to us, that's funny. But like, what about to the clubhouse? It's kind of, I feel like people might think it's kind of a temper tantrum almost. And I mean, it's just like, I'm, tr- I'm just looking at it from more of a critical standpoint. And I feel that there could be some type of bad that comes with this. Like, that's just some, like, some ish areas to be a little wary of. I don't think Trevor Bauer is just going to be like, oh, he's the best pitcher on the market. He's a top, I don't think he's a top five pitcher in baseball. He's probably closer to 10 than he is five. But um, I, I, I just think, I don't think Trevor Bauer is the guy everyone is saying he is. I, I agree. I don't think Bauer's worthy of a Garrett Cole-like deal. I don't think Garrett Cole's worthy of a Garrett Cole-like deal. Oh, no. I don't think any pitcher is worth $324 million. Unless you're going out there every single day for me, you're not worth that much money. And if you're going to be a starter and go out every five days, I better get no hitter or perfect game every day. <laughs> was, I, was I mad with the Cole signing? <laughs> no. I was running around my room screaming for joy. Did we overpay for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was he Cashman's white whale? Absolutely. That was the only reason he went out and got him. Bauer's going to get overpaid. There's no question about it. We've seen how much money he wants, and he's going to get that much money, especially from Steve Cohen. Yeah, exactly. And um, when I don't like to put the Garrett Cole deal because we know Trevor Bauer is nowhere near Garrett Cole. I don't think he's going to ask for Garrett Cole money. He might, but I don't think he will unless his agent is uh, – is, really really good which it could be but um what i like to think of is steven strasberg he signed a 245 million dollar deal last year i mean he really just got it for his playoff for what he did in the playoffs previously he was always a good pitcher but he always had injury issues and 2019 the year before he hits free agency the guy has the postseason of 2014 madison bumgarner um he does amazing he wins world series mvp and because of that He's a $245 million man. If that doesn't happen, how much is he getting? Probably sub 200. It's really just a what have you done for me lately league. Exactly. And people don't think about like the past one, two, three, four, five years. Like you mentioned with Steven Strasburg, they really just think about, okay, this is what you did in the postseason. You just won World Series MVP. All right, you're going from like $150 million deal to 245. We don't care what you did. We don't care about your health. We don't care about your age. It's just, okay, you did this. All right, you're getting that now. All right, so we just covered a team in the NL East. So let's go over to the AL East wish list. And we're going to start with the Tampa Bay Rays. And for anyone wondering or new to the show, we are doing a wish list for every division, every episode. We did the NL Central, whatever it was last time. I honestly couldn't tell you, to be honest. But we're doing the AL East today, which goes great. Jack's a Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Nick sucks to suck. But however, we'll will go on. So we'll start with the Rays. They let Morton walk. Uh, they traded Snell. Their current starters include Tyler Glasnow, most overrated starter in baseball, Ryan Yarborough, Josh Fleming, Brent Honeywell, and Andrew Kittridge. And I think what they need most are bargain players, bargain pitchers at that. Their lineup is mediocre. I mean, it could be a little bit over mediocre, but they need pitching because that's what makes them an elite team. Sorry, I thought one of you guys were going to pick it up. We can cut that out. Uh, Jack, you just want to keep, like, add on to it? We can cut it out. Yeah. Yeah, we um, can cut this out. Again, the Rays, they lost They lost Snell. They lost Morton. I think that's huge. Even though Morton, again, he's 36 years old. I wouldn't want to sign a guy anyway if I'm the, the Rays. 
Um, 30, 30, like at 37 or the wrong side of 30, closer to 40. I, I just don't want that in my team. He, um, especially a team with low budget. You don't want to be spending on somebody so old. Blake Snell is a huge hit, but honestly, I don't think that's a terrible move for the, the Rays because, again, uh, Snell's trade value is high. As we talked about before, it's, is, this is a league where you, see, you say, what have you done for me lately? Blake Snell had an amazing performance in the World Series, and I imagine Blake Snell is still not very happy about what the Rays did. Relations were low. His trade value was high. It seemed like the perfect opportunity to capitalize on his value. And um, yes, the the uh, lineup isn't is the lineup is indeed mediocre, a little I'd say above average. But they they always find a way to step up. You feel like Randy or Rosarina, Brandon Lau. These are two guys that like they they weren't expected to do anything, and look what they did. It just it's like the Rays are such a, like a um, like an um, unpredictable team, and they they always have these guys that kind of go off, and it's just they're they're always really fun to watch. I I think they should go for a starter to try to replace. Um, more inner Snell because they, they do need some more depth in the rotation. Uh, Glasnow needs to learn another pitch. He, I mean, don't get me wrong. His fastball is disgusting. His slider – or his uh, – not slider. His curveball is nasty. But if you want to be an ace in this league, you got to learn more than two pitches. This is the issue that small market teams have, though, is that one would think when you lose a Charlie Morton or Blake Snell, one would think, all right, I'm going to go out and go get a Trevor Bauer, let's say, because Trevor Bauer is the most talked about. Um, he is the most talked about pitcher on the market right now, but that's just not what the Rays can do. They don't have that type of money. So now they have to go out and go get someone like a John Lester or a Jake Arietta. Uh, I mean, they just lost a left-hander and a right-hander. So if you go get a John Lester and Jake Arietta, who I don't think are going to be relatively expensive, John Lester used to be a great pitcher. Jake Arietta actually did once have a no-hitter against the Dodgers. He was also once a great pitcher. So if they can get both of those guys on bargain deals for one, two years, you never know. Maybe they turn it around. I see Tampa Bay as mostly a pitcher's park, so I think that would help them a lot. So this is this is just the unfortunate part of being a small market team. It sucks for the fans. Well, they never show up anyways. <laughs> but it sucks for the fans. It sucks for the team. Uh, and I'm sure it sucks for the players, too, seeing these two guys go. We just had a crack in a uh, no Tampa Bay fans exist joke. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to say the Yankees for last. I, that's what I want to do. So we'll move on to the Blue Jays. Uh, they were 32-28. and 28. They lost in the wild card series to the Rays. And they need bullpen pieces. We talked about this briefly earlier. Dave Jordan Romano, Anthony Kay, Rafael Dolis is, is their best reliever, Sean Yamaguchi, Ross Stripling, and, and a couple of other supporting cast members. But their bullpen is pretty weak. Um, we saw a very, very good 2020 from Rafael Dolis. I think he's going to be a very good seventh or eighth inning guy going forward. But he's not their closer. He's not a closer of the future. And they need bullpen pieces to set them apart from you know the team that's going to be middle of the pack to like a B tier team. They need they need bullpen pieces and Trevor Rosenthal's on the market. Brad Hand's on the market. Kirby Yates is on the market. Go after him, guys. Oh, there's there is a ton of relievers. Uh Liam Hendricks too. Uh but I think yeah, Ken Giles has been their guy. There he's their closer. I think they should try to re sign him. Because I feel like when you get a closer that's like kind of your guy. They they establish their uh relationship with the team. And I think that really kind of—I feel like it's an under uh, underrated uh, part of uh, sports—is your chemistry, uh, your relationships with your coach, your pitching coach, your um, 
just the clubhouse and everything. I feel like a good relationship kind of gives up good, gives off good energy. I know it's not really like a set in stone type thing. And I know all the analytical nerds are probably like, what the hell is he talking about? But I just think it helps out in the long run. It for sure does. I mean, when you go back to what we were talking earlier about how more managers now are more analytical than just based off their guts and how the players performing a bullpen has become that much more important because now bullpens, I don't know the exact numbers, but they probably average between four or five innings a game now. Starters only really go four to five innings nowadays. It's it's not often you see a starter go more than five or five and a third innings. So, I mean, if the Blue Jays do really want to compete, then uh, they need to go get a a bullpen piece. I mean, you mentioned Ken Giles. I think that would be a great pickup. Although Ken Giles does seem to also be a little inconsistent. He can be great and then he can be terrible, but. I mean, as Micah mentioned earlier, there's Brad Hand out there. The Dodgers did just happen to get back, back Blake Trinan, which I thought Blake Trinan would have actually been the perfect pickup for the Blue Jays. But there's still multiple pieces out there that um, that they can get. And like we said earlier, we have we all have high hopes for the Blue Jays this year. So if they just have another bullpen piece or two, they'll be just fine. Alex Colome, if you want to throw in another name, just for shits and giggles. But moving on, we talked about a team that needs relievers. Let's talk about a team that needs starters and veteran starters on a cheap deal at that. And that's the Orioles. We saw they got rid of Dylan Bundy, and man, did that fight them in the behind. Bundy went out to the the city of Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and he pitched so well there. Do I think that's going to be the Dylan Bundy going forward? Absolutely not. Do not get ahead of yourself. But if you give up Bundy, and he pitches like that, oh, man, you have to be livid. Uh, some possible targets that I think they could go after is possibly like uh, a Julio Tehran guy, maybe Mike Fires, Brett Anderson. Those are three pitchers that are on the markets that will most likely take a one- or two-year deal at a very low AAV. Is that an option? I I think that's what they got to do. I mean, what a big-name pitcher is going to want to pitch, going to want to play for the Baltimore Orioles. They don't want a team that's like, kind of in the middle of a rebuild. They want to go to a contender, and these contenders are also going to pay them. So there's really no incentive for these guys to be going to the Orioles. I think a guy like um, Julio Terran, maybe maybe they could get like a Jake Odorizzi, but even him, I think he's going to go to a team like – like um, I think he's going to go to a contender or maybe someone like the Angels who want, needs to build their starting rotation, and they have a brighter future than the Orioles – um, so I, I personally like Julio Terran. He was just a guy that I always felt like was going to like pop off. I always drafted, drafted him in fantasy baseball. And I, I don't know. He's just always like, I feel like he has potential to be a really good pitcher. And he just like is always one year away from it, but I always get let down. So this is probably my last year. I'm going to feel that way. You know, the Orioles, like you mentioned, they're in the middle of a rebuild. Their team isn't overly impressive. I mean, they have some prospects, but even those, they're not, not super impressive. I mean, even the package they got back from Manny Machado when Manny Machado went to the Dodgers, they didn't get a great package back. I haven't really heard of those guys since. So, I mean, when you're a team that's rebuilding, you look to get veteran starting pitchers and hope they either regain their form or continue playing well like they did last year. Then at the trade deadline, you flip them for some prospects. I mean, that's all that's all you really want for a rebuilding team. There's Nothing much else. I mean, they have Chris Davis still on the team. I mean, we 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 forget about him. I mean, the guy is totally Just overpaid. <laughs> um, Chris Davis, sure. That's that's a very hot take. 
Um, He's a stud. Fight me. That you know, is- though, the Orioles lineup did show some flashes. And I they mean, get Mancini back. They're getting Mancini. They have Anthony Santander, who had a phenomenal year. Guys like Rio Ruiz, uh, Renato Nunez. These are guys that, no, they're not going to wow you. They're not going to amaze you. But these are solid baseball players. And uh, they're, they're the stars the, or, the, uh, the Orioles got. Jose Iglesias, too. He's a pretty decent shortstop, second baseman type guy. Um, so their offense is, it's, don't get me wrong, it's nothing to write home about. It's probably below average, but... It's still below average, but it's not like the worst of the worst. I would definitely agree. So let's move up to Boston. So we just talked a team that we talked about a team that's in the beginning or in the middle of a rebuild. Let's talk about a team that's in kind of a gray area, and that's the Boston Red Sox. Are they going to buy? Are they going to sell? I don't know. They've been sellers as of late. They've got some big contracts. J.D. Martinez, uh, Chris Sale, Xander Bogarts. Those are some big name contracts, some big guys. Nathan Avaldi, if you want to throw him in there, he's he's making $17 million a year to do nothing really. And are they going to buy? I, I just can't see the Red Sox being better than a fourth-place team. The, the Yankees... Rays and Blue Jays are—they're just good. They're good teams, yeah. and even if the Red Sox go out and get a starter and a, and a stick, it's not going to do anything. Their bullpen's so bad; it's terrible. Their bullpen is just probably the worst in the league, in my opinion. Um, the thing is, though, I personally think the Red Sox could have a top five offense next year. They have some pretty damn good bats, um, and it, like you take a look at, in most like team stats, the Red Sox finished top twelve in most of them. And that's like with J.D. Martinez having the worst year of his career. So if, I, I think that is the exception, not the rule for J.D. I think he's going to bounce back, and we're going to see this year. We're going to see what J.D. Martinez is as a hitter again, the best DH in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, and then you add like Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo. I think if he, he has a high chance to show what he's made of, he had a great year last year. If he's improving even more, I mean, these are guys that are phenomenal. And honestly, if I don't see the Mets signing George Springer. Uh, the Red Sox, a Boston team, that's another team that has uh, quite a bit of money. Yes, they're in a rebuild, but George Springer is a guy they can sign. I don't know if it's the right move, but I heard them around in rumors, and they were my pick if the Mets don't get him, and if the Mets get Bauer at this point, I feel like they're not going to also get Springer. Um, and then Christian Vasquez also is another catcher. I think he's probably a top-five catcher in the league. So offensively, this team has the pieces. The problem is pitching. Um, last year, their starters, they didn't have any. Uh, Edward Wardo Rodriguez had complications with coronavirus, as we all know. Chris Sale missed because Tommy John. Uh, they won't have Chris Sale back at the start of the year. They'll probably have him back around June, July. But I, I'm not giving up on Chris Sale. I still think when healthy, that guy is at least a top ten pitcher in baseball still. But you just don't know with him. He is a he is a big question mark, but I still have faith in him. He's Chris Sale for Pete's sake. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people are. They look at the Red Sox. They see a a bottom one of the 10 worst teams in baseball, I think they're probably like like around the 14 to 17 range as of right now. This is coming from a Yankees fan, keep in mind. You know, I'm just going to say that the Red Sox are proof of a big market team. When they get too aggressive, how much they can really screw themselves over if they are super aggressive and paying so much money for like two or three guys that are in the middle of their prime, not at the beginning, but in the middle of their prime. And then two or three years later, 
They're already in their 30s. One guy, Chris Sale, having Tommy John. I personally hesitate to say he's a top 10 pitcher when he comes back just because it's just so hard to say how a 30-plus-year-old comes back from Tommy John surgery. But I think that the Red Sox main concern here is to get younger. They, of course, traded Mookie Betts. They got Alex Verdugo back in return. Mookie Betts is still pretty young. But then they have J.D. Martinez and Chris Sale. Both guys are pretty old as well. And Nathan Navaldi, which, going back to what we said earlier, Nathan Navaldi, he was only paid because of that one game one where he gets the Dodgers. I think, I think that was the innings. dumbest thing the Red Sox could that have done. So I called bad. it right it when really it happened. Bad. Like, listen, Red Sox, you got your value out of Nathan Navaldi. He has been – Honestly, a average to below average pitcher his entire career. He pitched for the Yankees. He was nothing, yeah. and he had one good, one good series or one good stretch in the playoffs, and he got paid a ridiculous amount. Same with David Price. He got paid a ridiculous amount too. I, I mean, the Dodgers ended up picking up most of the contract. They got rid of, they got that off. But I mean, like these are like I feel like people really need to stop paying people based on like one small performance that has happened recently. I mean, good for these guys. Get your money. But yeah, exactly. You know, good for them. Bad, I mean, bad, move, the bad move by the organization. Absolutely. So yeah. let's talk about an organization that needs to make a move and like within the next couple of hours because I'm losing my sanity, and that's the Yankees. Uh, get LeMahieu back and get a starter. Get Tanaka and get LeMahieu. And, and I'm, this is going to be a bit longer than the other ones because, you know, Jack and I are both Yankee fans. It's ridiculous, man. This is the best player in baseball over the past two years. You, he goes up. He's not going to strike out. He's going to put the bat on the ball, right field, left field, center field, home run, double, triple, single, whatever. Plays pristine defense at second, very good at third, very good at first. The fact that he hasn't been re-signed is ridiculous. When that Machado and Harper free agent time came, people were like, oh, you know, the Yankees have to get one of them. And people were pissed when they didn't. Let me tell you something. They went out, got LeMahieu for less than half the contract, and he's been better than both of them over the past two years. That's true. He's been the most reliable player on this team. He batted 364 for crying Gal out. And people forget he started the year COVID positive. He batted 364 for crying out. If somebody's batting 364, you re-sign them. I don't care how old, I don't care how long, I don't care how much money. He's the best player, is the best player on the team. He's the best second baseman in baseball. It's ridiculous. And by the way, get Tanaka or Paxton back. One of the two. I don't want Paxton. Get that guy off my team. I don't, I don't want him either, but they got they gotta get one of them. We have to get somebody. I I I know I think the thing with DJ. I always kind of like was an issue. He's he's gonna at this point he's getting a five year contract, yeah. and that might bite us like that might bite us in the behind, but in, in like the long run. But I again, it's DJ Lemayhu. If the Yankees want to win a a championship this decade, this is a move they have to make. It, it's they, they have to do it. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Basically, give them a, a blank check at this point. And, uh, and it's mean, something they're not doing, especially after the Mets have said, hey, we just got Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. The Yankees are being shown up, and they gotta, they have to make the move that's going to get them this guy. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is um, uh, you were talking about all these points about DJ LeMahieu being the best Yankee. Um, another thing, a huge thing, he's been playing this entire time. He's been on the field. He's been on the field. He has not been hurt. Guys like Aaron Judge. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, everyone else pretty much, even Luke Voigt in 2019. These guys have been hurt. They've been dealing with their injuries. They've been dealing with their injuries, and, yeah, they've been dealing with injuries, and DJ LeMahieu has been staying healthy. 
absolutely. We'll make you stay on the field. And the biggest ability is availability. And that was something my basketball coach taught me when I was seven. If you can stay on the court, stay on the field, stay on the pitch, whatever, that's the best benefit to a team, especially a team like the Yankees. Every single player on that team gets injured. My goodness. Glaver was injured. I mean, Urshela has a bone spur. Voigt's injured. Every person on that team is injured. So if you got one player that's going to stick it out, you need that. And touching on he's going to get five years, I don't think it's going to bite us in the behind. I've talked about it to you, Nick. He's like a fine wine. He's the Justin Verlander of hitters. He hits the ball. And I think that's something he like. you don't see that really ever. I think Nelson Cruz is the only exception. But yeah, I think I think his game doesn't. Not that it's yeah, it doesn't age. I, I think it, the way it doesn't plays, put him doesn't, in a position. He doesn't to fail rely ever. on his power. He, like other a lot of other players rely a little on their power, and I think that's why like guys like Judge and Stanton, they are getting injured. They are made of glass. Is because these are guys that have a lot of power. They're training a lot. They're not, I guess, like stretching out yoga. It's being durable, being flexible. That's not what people are going for. They want to be these big power guys. Well, when you want to do that, you become more fragile as well. You become more susceptible to injuries. A guy like DJ LeMahieu, when you're just hitting for contact, getting base hits, base knocks, you don't have to have that raw power these guys have. And that, does, that puts you in less of a, uh, a risk of getting hurt. And just one more point. I genuinely think there will be a riot in the Bronx if the Yankees don't sign LeMahieu. It's going to be bad. Cashman, you're going to get grilled. If you don't sign oh, LeMahieu, yeah. it's going to be super bad. Because it was oh, bad yeah. when they didn't get Harper and Machado. And then Yankee fans were like, oh, we got LeMahieu. Why, why do we want LeMahieu? He's better than yeah, most of them. I remember, the, I remember that. I remember when LeMahieu just got signed and everyone was like, we wanted Harper. Who the hell is LeMahieu? I was like, right. chill out, dude. LeMahieu's a pretty good signing. I mean, I did, and, don't get me wrong. I did not think he was going to do this. But he no, was like, no he's not did. bad. He's a good player. I mean, no one knew where he was going to play. He didn't start opening day 2019. Let's keep that in mind. Just just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> and anywho, anywho, let's talk about pitching for this Yankees team because they need it. Their bullpen's good. I, I think it couldn't be better. It's not the 2019 elite bullpen we saw, but it's a, it's a good bullpen, right? It it's going to – they're gonna get. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna survive. The rotation's a mess, man. Cole's great. We know that. Severino coming back from Tommy John. He's still young. I. I. Severino's a winner. Luis Severino. That kid just wins. He's good at everything he does. He could pick up a hockey stick and, and you know be the best <laughs> hockey player in the world. He's good. I. I think he's gonna come back. I think he's still gonna be good. They need a three. They need. They need one more guy. I think Davey Garcia is very good. I think. Mar- I think Montgomery's good. He pitched his heart out in that game four. Yeah, the, uh, I think Montgomery is a great four pitcher. Not great. Absolutely. He's a really good four pitcher. But we need a third, and I don't think Garcia yet can be that guy. Um, right I can't. love Jake Odorizzi. I think he's a great three pitcher. He was great in Minnesota. I don't know. I, I don't hear any rumors about the Yankees going for him though, and I think he's per- perfect fit. Like honestly, if you don't get, I don't think he's going to have a big, a big, a price tag as a guy like Tanaka, um, Paxton. He's. I think Paxton's going to sign that one year, make it prove, uh, prove yourself deal. He's definitely. He's be ridiculous if he doesn't. But then again, he probably knows he's going to get hurt, so he wants to um, sign a long deal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I personally like Odorizzi more than. Ah, more yeah, more than Tanaka. I think he's more consistent than Tanaka, um, and definitely more than Paxton. Paxton is. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. When he's healthy, when he was healthy in 2019, at the end of the year, he was phenomenal. But, it, but then 2020, he's been hurt. 
Then he comes back. He's throwing 92, 93 miles per hour. And then he gets hurt again. I'm like, I'm done with this guy. He just made a glass. He had issues. Even before he came to the Yankees, he had injury issues. And when you have a guy that gets injured that much, they never go away. They keep getting hurt. And I, if I it's think one or two things, it's whatever. But like, that's what make, is like, makes me scared about Judge and Stan. I mean, honestly, more Judge at this point than Stan. I feel like Stan's been doing a little bit better with injuries. But Judge, no. To, to add on to the injury thing, Tanaka's got a torn UCL in his elbow, right? That, that's what it is, I think. He's got um, something in his elbow, and that is Tommy John waiting to happen. We are yes. so lucky that it hasn't happened yet. I think somebody that the Yankees can go out and get is a Corey Kluber because he hasn't pitched well the past couple of years. That's a two-time Cy Young. I, I think Kluber, I, that's the guy that I think is going to be a steal for whoever acquires him. And at the very least, he's gonna you're gonna give him six mil a year, and he's gonna be a great presence in the exactly. locker room. Exactly. And so they need starters. They need Will Mayhew back. I don't want to keep going into this because this sounds like salty Yankee fan stuff. Nick, yeah. any, any any last last thoughts? I know we um, kept you quiet. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know the Yankees. They're always they're always gonna be a great team. They'll they'll always find a way to compete. They're always gonna find a way to stay in it. DJ LeMahieu. I think is almost like the Justin Turner of the Dodgers in a sense. He he's the glue of the team. Um, you just I think take it, a shot no, at no, DJ LeMahieu. No, 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 not because of COVID. No, 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 no. I am not going there because no, of no. COVID. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't angling towards that. I think LeMahieu's a much better player than Justin Turner is. No, I'm I saying just in, terms, presence. in terms of gotcha. the presence. Yes, the presence. I think he's a glue guy, and I think if they do lose him, the team is going to be very unhappy. Uh, oh, yeah. Sen, Aaron Judge, all those other guys. And then for pitching, you know, you mentioned, uh, Jack, you mentioned James Paxson as a prove-it deal. I think Corey Kluber would be a prove-it deal. I think he uh, could go yeah, out. I agree. I, I, think, I think he's actually scheduled to do, like, a, a pitching session soon, 30 pitches or something in, so, in front of some teams. And he could sign, like, a one-year $5 million deal. And you said he could even be a steal. And if he, if he ends up being – even half of what he was when he was a Cy Young winner. That would be an amazing steal for the Yankees. If I were the Yankees at this point, because of the torn UCL with Tanaka, I actually wouldn't bring him back. I, the, the Yankees have been so injured the past couple of years. I would just be like, no, thank you. I, they, they don't want to deal with another injury. Tanaka's going to go back, I think, to Japan or whatever. So go out and get a Corey Kluber and go get Paxton on a prove-it deal. That's going to do it for us. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. And I'm Nicholas Bear. Alongside me is Jack Murphy. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts. Again, Jack, we wanted to thank you for coming out today. Where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so um, on TikTok, my handle is at JackTheYankeeFan0. Um, I also have a Twitter account. I think I'm going to start incorporating I'll probably uh, make a video on TikTok about it, but I kind of want to like reach out to people on t- Twitter too. So my Twitter is Jack Murph, M-U-R-P-H-Y, 115. So if you want to hit me up on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. You can find me there. And yeah, that's pretty much everything. Thank you guys so much for uh, having me on. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Micah underscore 0416. That is at M-I-C-A-H underscore 0416. And on Instagram at Envy Micah. That is at E-N-V-Y-M-I-C-A-H. And you can follow me on Twitter at Nicholas Bear 7. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S 
B-A-E-R, and the number seven, and on Instagram, at Nicholas Golfer. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-G-O-L-F-E-R. Again, thank you for tuning in. Happy belated New Year. Peace out.